Are you ready to up-level your performance, become a better sales coach, and grow revenue? Are you ready to be ready? Then ready, set, sell. I'm Hannah, a B2B sales enthusiast and sales consultant, advocating for sales to be a little more human. And I'm Tony from MindTickle, where I'm a sales leader and coach. And you're listening to Ready, Set, Sell, a podcast dedicated to helping revenue and sales professionals like you adopt a sales readiness approach to ensure your team is always ready to win. In each episode, we share smart insights, tangible advice, and actionable tips that can be applied directly to the work you do every day to drive organizational growth. Let's dive into the episode. Outstanding leadership skills will take you far in any field, but they're especially important in the world of sales. That is absolutely right. Being able to lead and manage a sales team effectively not only can help you make a name for yourself in the sales industry, but will also help you drive better outcomes for your entire company. Well, today's guest is an expert on sales leadership and the key skills you need to develop if you're hoping to take your career to the next level. And she has one of the coolest titles I've ever heard as the founder and chief sales energizer of her self-titled management consultancy, Alice Hyman is an expert in helping CEOs strategize and lead their businesses. But she's also the host of a podcast where she discusses strategies for business growth, marketing, building relationships, and much more with her guests. Forbes has called Alice a diligent student and teacher of what works. So it should come as no surprise that she's full of valuable sales wisdom. Oh, I can't wait for this one. Let's dive into the episode and hear some of Alice's juiciest trade secrets. Welcome to the show, Alice. I'd love to just start from a place where you can share a little bit about your career background so far, but more specifically, the things that have happened that have been like the biggest catalysts over the last um, few years. Yeah, so it's surprising to some people to find out that my I, my career started as an elementary school teacher. <laughs> so they're like, wow, from kindergarten to CEOs, right? That was a long, long time ago because I have had my own company since 1997. So uh, working with small children was wonderful. I loved it. Uh, As you can imagine, it was engaging and fun. And there are a lot of great things about it. But say I have this dad who owned a company called Miller Hyman. And he was always asking me to do projects for him. And so even though I was teaching, I was learning about his business and doing projects for him and learning about sales and sales training and the complex sale and strategic selling and all of those things. And eventually he actually talked me into coming to work for him because I never, ever dreamed in a million years that I would be in sales, that I'd be a salesperson or, you know, this career path never even occurred to me at all. So I sort of got catapulted into the world of sales from elementary school, and I was a special ed teacher um, and a reading specialist. So that was that was what I did. I had a master's degree in education, but I did get catapulted into the world of business through Miller-Hyman, and I love it. 
so Alice, that's that's actually great great background. Um, obviously, the connection with Miller Hyman is is huge. But having you know that diverse background, what really drew you to the world of sales specifically? Was there anything that you said? You know, I'm sure if you're sitting around the dinner table with your with your family and you're talking about sales and everything, is there anything specifically that you said? Yeah, this is what's really drawing me to sales at this point. I think that I had sort of a, an epiphany at some point. I'm not sure exactly where it was because at first I was like not really thinking of it as, oh, I'm going into a career of sales. I went into the business to help grow the business, right? And actually my dad hired me to work on the curriculum, which is something I knew because I was a teacher, right? So I wasn't really thinking of myself in sales still. And I probably had, you know, the same idea about salespeople as most people who don't understand sales, you know, that they're pushy, manipulative, they try to trick you, they guilt you, you know, all the things we hate about sales, right? We've never heard that before. Never, never. <laughs> so I think that when I started to understand the Miller Hyman processes are so customer focused, they're so much about helping and solving. And I was like, wow, this is just like teaching. I just figure out what is the problem. And then I see if I can fix it or not. And if I can't, I don't, you know, I say, Hey, I can't fix it. And if I can, I say, Hey, I think I can fix this. You want to try? And so I was like, yeah, this is, I like this. It's to me, sales is a helping profession. And that is what drives me every day. I wake up and I get to help my customers solve complex problems. So my brain is busy all the time and I get to do something different every day. And I feel like I'm making a difference. And, you know, when companies do well because their sales are good, everybody benefits from that. You know, the whole economy benefits, all the people internally in the organization benefit, the customers benefit, you know, the whole the whole economy around them benefits. So I feel like I'm making a huge impact. And you think, well, compare that to teaching little kids. Isn't it so much better? You know, and it's like, no, it's just a different way to make an impact. I love both, but I love this more. And I've stayed in it, obviously, a lot longer. I was teaching 13 years and now I'm I'm not going to tell you how many years I've been in sales, but 20 plus years, right, doing what I do now. And I wake up every day and I cannot wait because selling is helping and guiding and solving. And those are things that I love to do. That just led me to thinking about your your consulting business, right? So you're taking what you love and you've now transformed that into an incredible consulting business business. And I go on your website and you speak directly to a CEO saying, maybe you're stopping sales. <laughs> I love it. So just share a bit more about why you decided to, to take that leap and start your own business. Right. Well, uh, the reason I took the leap is because I found out my father wanted to sell the company, right? So he and Bob <laughs> Miller started the company and then my dad bought Bob Miller out. And then he got to a point where he's like, wow, this is, is a bigger company than you know, we wanted to run. He and my stepmom were running it. And so they decided they wanted to sell. And I was like, okay, so what am I going to do, <laughs> right? And so I helped them get the company ready to sell. And then I went off on my own. Now, when I first left Millerheim, and I still had a lot of my big clients, Fidelity Investments, Dow Chemical, Hewlett-Packard, you know, AT&T, some really, you know, giants that we all know. But a funny thing happened 
the dot coms. Remember those? If you're old enough, you remember the dot coms. We now call them the dot bombs. But, uh, you know, people were, the internet became this thing. And then people were just throwing money at these uh, dot coms. And the people from like Fidelity and GE Capital and my other clients, the senior executives were leaving and going to those companies. And they were some of the founders of those companies. And so they would call me to to help them, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, Miller Hyman doesn't do that. We do sales training for Fortune 500 companies, blah, 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 blah. They're like, but can you help us? I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, we want to start up a sales team from scratch. And I was like, I don't know how to do that, but okay. (laughs) So we did. And so I just started working with the CEOs and the senior leaders who had left these big, big companies and help them set up their sales from scratch, right? And so I've always really focused on the CEO, but I really had positioned myself in the market more as a sales generalist because I think I didn't you know, I just didn't understand. And I was growing and learning and and that's what I did, right? So I was more of a sales generalist. And I did do some other things back then that I don't do now. But it became clearer and clearer to me in the probably the last five years that sales is changing so much and the buyer has shifted. You know, I mean, our brains still work the same way when we make a decision, but the way we're buying things has changed so much because of the internet, right? And we're digital digital beings now, that the only person in, a, in an organization that can impact how we sell at the level that is needed is the CEO, because it's more than just sales and the sales leaders. It's more than just the customer success. It's more than just the marketing, the operations. Each of them in their own silos are not giving the customer an exceptional experience. Only the CEO can orchestrate all departments so that they are focused on the customer, the way the customer wants to buy, and that exceptional customer experience. So I decided to turn away everything but my focus on the CEO and helping them understand their role in sales and how they can support sales. But when I say sales now, I don't just mean sellers, right? I mean the way the customer wants to buy from you, and that includes a much larger group of people than just our sellers and a larger group of processes because we have to put things out there on the internet to draw the customer in and engage them that have nothing to do with sellers. So it's so much bigger, and that's why I focus on the CEO. You you mentioned a couple of things there that uh, are very interesting. Uh, obviously, the changing landscape over the last several years, right? There's been so many changes that everyone has had to deal with from a sales perspective, from a leadership perspective, and you've worked with so many diverse companies. Is there an overarching mission or aim that you really focus on when you're talking with folks? Like uh, I'm looking at your website, you have some great content in there. So is there anything you really like to focus on from an overall perspective? Well, I I think that my main focus is on what are you doing to help your customer buy? So let's look at things differently now, right? So one of the things that people hear me saying often is, what have you done today to make it easier to be your customer and harder to be your competitor, right? And if you stop, pause, and ask yourself that question, hmm, some interesting things are going to come up, right? And if you 
walk out, you know, of your company and look back in, you know, from the buyer's point of view, from every point of contact, did you make it easy or did you make it hard? And so I want to focus on the customer experience and have the CEO understand what that is. So here's a really good example. So how often do you take a cold call? Maybe twice a week. Okay. And you picked it up by accident or you intended to do that? It's always an accident. (laughs) Gotcha. Tony, how often do you take a cold call from someone who wants to set an appointment with you for their, their AE? Uh, I think the last time I took a cold call was in 1997. Okay. Well, you and me both. So when I ask CEOs that question, they say, well, I, never, I don't take a cold call unless it's by accident, right? Exactly. So why do you, Mr. CEO or Mrs. CEO or Ms. CEO, right? Why do you have people dialing CEO's phone numbers or any senior executive? Because you don't answer those calls, why would they? So think about the wasted effort there. And all of that time, effort, and money could be spent doing something that would intrigue and engage the proper people to want to have a conversation with someone at your company. It might not even be a salesperson that they want to have a conversation with. It could be a sales engineer, could be customer success, could be somebody else. But what we're doing is saying, okay, we're going to go out and sell the way we don't want to buy. What? I'm confused. So how many emails come into your box every day trying to sell you something? And how many of them do you delete? Most, right? We delete most of them. So here we go, filling up the, you know, Ethernet, uh, air, whatever, with all the these emails that they have to be stored somewhere. And they're taking up land because they're building these big server farms to save all these emails that thousands and thousands of emails are being sent out that are being deleted. Okay. So if we regroup and think, what does the customer want? Well, they certainly don't want another spammy email and they don't want your cold call, right? So what are we going to do? So we just have to get our minds wrapped around it. So the CEOs have to have to get their mind wrapped around it first so it can trickle down through the entire organization. It's great if it bubbles up from the bottom too, but salespeople are going to do what you tell them to do for the most part. And so if you're telling them, send more emails, make more calls, that's what they do because that's what you pay them to do. So why wouldn't they? So, but if you give them something better to do, and if you have marketing do their job and start creating demand, and if you allow the buyers to to buy the way they want to buy and you meet them where they are, which is mostly digital, right? You've got to meet them on the internet because that's where they are. They're Googling or they're on your LinkedIn or they're on your website, trying to find out what you actually do, which is most websites suck. They're terrible. You cannot figure out what the company does. And it's like, why do I have to schedule a demo with you? After I schedule a demo, which, you know, I do occasionally, I think, You could have recorded that and put that on the website for me. And then I would have been intrigued enough to say, I better call this guy or gal and get, you know, on, get, you know, call this person and get on the phone with them and learn more. But you don't even give me that opportunity, you know, and then I have to wait and try to schedule a demo. So if you think about some of the idiotic things that we do and make it so difficult for people to buy, it's unbelievable. So really, I just want to get everybody's mind wrapped around 
what does your buyer do? And that may be different than yours and yours and yours. And I mostly work with companies with a complex sale. So it's business to business, complex sale. That's not the same as a consumer, a business to consumer sale or some of the other sales that people do or retail. It's got its own certain properties that go with it. But look, I'm just a human being trying to do my job the best I can every day. And I'm trying to buy something from you. And it happens to be 10 o'clock at night because now my day is over and I've, you know, put my kids to bed and I can go look at your product and have some time to think about it. But I can't even find like how it works. So I'm off to the competitor. Sorry, you're done. I need to go where I can get the information I need. You don't even have a chat that works. You don't, you know, your website doesn't have a good explanation, an explainer video or a demo. It has nothing for me. I have the only choice is book a demo. I get why you want me to book a demo because you want a salesperson to talk to me. Got it. But that's not the way I buy anymore. So you've mentioned a lot about making it easier for your customer to buy from you. That's a narrative that I think a lot of people are finally sort of clocking on to. So you you mentioned a couple of examples about explainer videos and your your chatbot doesn't work. And I need to to research you at 10 p.m. Can you maybe highlight one or two or maybe three or four things that really makes a world-class sales organization today? So I think what's important is we just have to think bigger than the word, having the word sales equated with sellers. So when we say sales, we just think about the sellers in an organization. And we have to flip our mindset to think sales equals the way the customer wants to buy. So turn it around, right? The way the customer wants to buy. They're looking in at you. Sales is not just about sellers. It's much, much bigger. And when we're trying to sell something to somebody, it encompasses a lot of things, right? Our marketing. So, you know, marketing is from hello to I'm your loyal customer. Marketing should be threaded through the the entire life cycle of a customer. Um, Customer success. I've got uh, some companies that I work with that start with customer success, not with sales, because they're a fine try buy model because they're software of some type, right? So they do fine try buy and then customer successes who converts it, not a salesperson, because they're more concerned about the user adoption than they are, you know, about some other things, right? So they're the right person to interact. There's some um, clients I have that they're, they're, uh, Subject matter experts, SMEs, will be the first contact because they need very specific type of information to see if it's a fit that's very technical. Or a sales engineer, right, could be the the main contact. So um, we have to think about the way the customer comes in contact with us. And and typically, I'm going to say that's something like, hey, um, Tony, who do you know that blah, 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 right? Because you're a VP of sales and I'm a VP of sales and we need, I need this. And you've probably maybe already come in contact with that. Or, you know, I asked three or four people that I know, and then I go immediately and look at their website, right? Or if I Google, probably their LinkedIn pops up first. So I might go there and then I might go to their website. So you have to map that customer journey to be able to understand how to build a world-class organization, Because a world-class organization meets the customer where they are. They use sales, marketing, customer success, whatever else they need to meet the customer where they are. They um, make sure that their sellers can sell in any situation, virtually, you know, at a trade show, 
at a one-to-one, in a large group, via camera, uh, on the phone, you know, whatever it may be, their salespeople are ready and prepared. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling selling virtually. Why? Why would you let that happen? Your salespeople have to be prepared to sell in any situation. And so that's the kind of thing that you, you want to ask yourself, are we world-class? Well, what's the checklist? You know, A, number one, do we meet the customer where they are? Do we make it easy for them to buy? Just because I met them where they were didn't mean I made, made it easy. So yes, I have a website. And yes, you Google me and I pop up, but then they get to the website and they can't get what they want. So, you know, did I meet the customer where, where they are? And did I make it easy for them to buy? And how does that happen? Well, I have all departments working together to make sure that the customer has an exceptional experience from hello to I'm your loyal customer and everything in between. And so again, back to marketing, making, you know, creating demand and piquing people's interest and curiosity so that they want to take whatever the next step is, do something else on the website, download something, watch something, or you know, schedule and talk to a salesperson. So, uh, Alice, you mentioned several times throughout the conversation so far is the, the word CEO, right? And I think a lot of people in sales, when they're discussing or thinking about sales, they're not really thinking about the CEO specifically. They think more about director level or VP level. So was there anything specific that made you really focus in particular on the CEO role or why you decided, hey, this is something that's really going to be different for what you can teach and really build value around? At a lot of organizations, I would see a lot of what I call blaming and shaming, right? Those salespeople, if they would only, why don't they do this? What are they doing over there in sales? All they ever do is golf and, you know, go to dinners. Well, not since COVID, but you know what I mean? (laughs) What we hear is a lot of kind of sales bashing in a way. And when the we don't hit the sales number, We're looking down at sales and saying, sales, you didn't do it, you know? So I think that what I realized is sales can't do it without the support of the rest of the organization. And everybody knows that. Every salesperson, every sales leader knows that when there's a sales prevention department in the company, and many companies have them, they're not going to be able to do their job. They also many times don't have the support they need. And, you know, when you really start to look and diagnose, which is what I do, I come in and I diagnose and I'm like, hey, you know, the buck stops here. Where is that? Oh, the CEO. And so I guess that's why I'm so focused on it. There's no other single person in an organization who can orchestrate the whole thing. So if sales aren't going well and you go ahead and say to the sales leader, you know, well, it's, you know, do this, do this, do this, but no one else in the organization is helping them. They can't do it. They need the support from the entire organization. And that's the CEO's responsibility. So they have a role in sales. The role changes as the company matures and the CEO has to understand that role and take that role and make it work. As the sales world has evolved over the years, Alice really made a smart decision to carve out a niche for herself by focusing specifically on the role of CEO in her consultancy. 
Yeah, I, I really like the focus on the CEO because essentially they have the power to bring each of the organization's departments together and create an exceptional customer experience. Like Alice does help CEOs take full ownership and understand the influence they have in their role. Yeah, I, I, th I think that was really smart. Um, by asking the tough questions like, what have you done today to make it easier to be your customer and harder to be your competitor? I, I think Alice really creates opportunities for those at the CEO level to take an honest look at their methodologies and what sort of things they're doing and really zero in on what it takes to make them stand out from the crowd. Yeah, it's completely true. Um, you know, creating an exceptional customer experience is essential for sales organizations today. We all know the buyer's journey has changed immensely over the past few years. So sales leaders need to up their game if they hope to stay competitive. Next up, Alice shared more tips for sales leaders and CEOs looking to up their game in 2022. For sales leaders beyond just the CEO, but sales leaders in general, what do you think the things are that they could be doing a little bit more often? Or maybe even more importantly, what are the things that they should be doing a little less often? So a couple of things, and you know, some of these are not necessarily very easy, but sales leaders, I want you to think about your CEO as your customer. And what do customers need today? They need insight, right? There's so much going on out there. There's so many ways to solve the same problem. There's just a lot of information. But you as the sales leader are in it every day seeing the customer. You know what the customer's saying, what they need and want. You know what's working. You know what isn't. You need to bring those insights to your CEO. Not just say, we need more this. We've got to have that. I've got to hire more salespeople, right? Those things are true. But... Your CEO needs insights. Bring them the insights on what's happening in the market, what's happening with the customer. Bring them specific examples of success that's happening with your customers and of failures. So if you, as a senior leader, are regularly reviewing your wins and your losses with your team and thoroughly understanding I think it's much more important to analyze your wins than it is your losses because we learn so much from our wins. Why did they buy from us? We need to know that, right? We did it well. Let's be able to do it again. So analyze those wins and also the losses, but don't focus on the losses, focus on the wins, and then be able to bring those insights to the CEO so that you can paint a picture for them, right? Because all humans, we learn from stories and pictures, right? Paint that picture, tell that story to the CEO so they understand the context for the asks that you have of them. We need a tool, we need more people, we need a different type of structure, whatever it is. We need marketing to do this, we, we need these things, but bring it to them in an insight. This is what I see. This is how it's working. These are some specific examples. This is why we know this to be true. And therefore, we can do an even better job if we have these things. That way, your CEO can really understand, and they can also take it to the investors to get money if needed to do the things that you want to do. So senior leaders, senior sales leaders need to really learn how to tell a good story. Pull the information together, tell the story that brings the insight to the 
to the CEO. And that will help tremendously. Now, in day-to-day, a senior sales leader right now should be really focused on, are we making it easy for the customer to buy? So I would like them to ask that question to their peers, to their teams. What have we done today to make it easier to be our customer and harder to be our competitor? And answer it. Come up with stuff. You know, maybe maybe not every day for real, but, you know, every once in a while, ask yourselves that. And then when you do it, applaud it, right? We did it. We made it easier. Fantastic. So I think that that's something that you can do. And then coaching is just crucial today. So we, I wish the word manager would go away. Um, yes, people have to be managed. Did they come to work today? Do they have their health benefits? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Did they fill out their whatever? Did they put it into Salesforce? Yes, of course, you've got to manage people. But when we coach them and help them change their behavior, then we don't have to nag them and we don't have to micromanage them. So what we want to do is look at what are the behaviors we want our salespeople to have and figure out what is the best way to get them to have those behaviors and deploy that. And if it doesn't work, get rid of them. Just get rid of them. We hang on to salespeople who are not a good fit way too long. When listen, there's no such thing as a bad salesperson. They're not bad people. They're not bad salespeople. They're not a fit for your organization and they need to go. So stop looking at it as something bad. Set them free to their next adventure. They'll, they will be successful somewhere. They're just not successful at your organization. But you've got to give them a chance. So you have to make sure that you have defined clearly what it is you want them to do. You've trained them to do it. You've repeated that training. You've encouraged, you've rewarded, and you've guided, right, so that you get that behavior. And then, you know, your job is much easier, And that behavior is in many areas, their interaction with the customer, their interaction internally, their interaction with your tools like salesforce.com or whatever CRM you use. Um, And if we establish those really good behaviors and we we start by expecting them, right? And then we do the training and the coaching and, you know, and we expect those behaviors and we hold people accountable. The biggest thing I come into in the organizations I work with is there's a total lack of accountability. Nobody is held to anything. We tell them, go update your Salesforce. But when they don't do it, we don't do anything about it. We don't talk their pay. We don't talk their commission. We don't say, hey, you're, you know, go home for two days and think about it and come back and, you know, either update your Salesforce or you're gone or whatever it is we want them to do. Why keep asking them to do something they're not going to do? It's crazy behavior. And we drive ourselves crazy. And then we hear things like, oh, that salesperson drives me crazy. Why would you let someone drive you crazy? Get rid of them (laughs) or get them to do the behaviors you want them to do. To say, look, this is how it goes. At this company, we do this. Do it. I'll help you. I'll train you. What do you need? But you've got to do it. And if you don't, you don't work here anymore. It's very simple. But we make it so hard. And because we love people and we want to give them lots of chances. And I get that. But if you would coach your people to change their behavior to the behavior that works best for the customer and the organization, everybody's happier. And the salesperson is wildly more successful. I love that you you, you pivoted to coaching. It's huge. And there's, there's so much 
talk around the enablement of sales leaders, right? To, to be better sales sales leaders. We're trying to not say managers, so we're trying to transition to coaching. You, you mentioned establishing the behaviors that you want to see, setting expectations. So let's zero in on um, sales leaders. What more could they be doing to improve their own ability yeah. to be better coaches? So that's probably the most important thing, right? Like we hire salespeople and we're not very good at hiring salespeople most of the time. We really don't hire people that are the best fit for our company. And that's one of the biggest problems we have. So I would say A number one, learn how to hire salespeople that are a good fit, right? How do you do that? Well, there's all kinds of research out there. There's books you can read. One of my favorites is You're Not the Person I Hired. And it's by Barry Deutsch. It's just, it's like my go-to guide for everything hiring. Um, But there's plenty of others specific to hiring salespeople. Um, Use a great recruiter. Do something to help yourself, right? Learn how to hire great salespeople. What we tend to do is we hire people like ourselves, or we like that person, and so that's why we hire them. Or they talk a good game, and that's why we hire them. But we don't interview them hard enough to really know whether they can do what they say they can do, right? So I think that sales leaders should learn how to hire. Really important. And then get the resources and tell their CEO why they need, again, build that story about why we need the resources. Let me tell you a story about our sales over people over the last five years. We've, we've hired this many. We've only retained this many. We have this many who don't hit quota. This is what our picture looks like. What we'd like to improve it to are this many people are retained and this many of them hit quota and blah, blah, blah. You know, so in order to do that, we need better candidate pool. We need to learn how to do interviewing differently. Bring the story in and, and tell that story and then be able to do a better job hiring. Um, so you've got to, Go find that information, you know, train yourself to do it. Uh, I also think you should just, in general, build a development plan for yourself. It's like, what do I do well? Bam. What do I need to improve? Bam. How am I going to pick, you know, how am I going to improve? I'm going to pick two things off this list and I'm going to get better at those this year. How am I going to do it? Well, I'm going to take a webinar. I'm going to find a mentor. I'm going to um, read a book whatever it is, right? One of my favorite books for for sales leaders is The Sales Manager's Guide to Greatness by Kevin Davis. It lays out specifically the things that a sales leader can do to help their salespeople be successful. And that's what every sales leader should be thinking. How do I get a team that all hits quota? (laughs) You know? there's this weird acceptance, right? There's just an acceptance of it's fine. Or just let the 20% do the 80%. The rest of it, you know, it's fine. So you talked about peak performers. I think that's a, a great segue to talk a little bit about sales strategy, right? So when you think about peak performers and the sort of that top-down approach where, you know, you're hiring the right people, you're getting the people in place, you know, what do you think are the pillars for instilling a very successful or a winning sales strategy within those teams once you've got the right people there? You know, once again, I go back to the CEO, right? So a CEO with a clear vision and who has done the proper planning with their senior team and they know their their vision, their mission, you know, their values, their purpose, they know what they believe, right? When you have that, it's really easy for the sales team to move forward. I mostly find these teams are struggling because there is no clear strategy. 
at the top level, there's, there is, you know, some companies go years without doing a strategic plan of any kind, or even just having a few, you know, these are our values and we stick to them. And we don't do business with people who treat our people poorly. And we don't do these kinds of things, you know, like just some basic values. Right. But I see companies go for years where I'm like, well, do you guys have a, a vision? You know, what's the vision for this guy? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? They don't know. Right. So that doesn't work. It's hard for sales to do their job because they're just out there selling with no strategy. So it comes back to the top. Leadership has to have a strategy for the growth of the entire company, right? What does that look like overall? And then we can tuck our whole go-to-market strategy into that. So we're going to do this this year to make this vision come true in the future. And so if there's no set strategy, though, it's very hard for sales to do their job. So salespeople do need to be strategists, but at an account level, at a, at a level where they're um, positioning themselves to close a deal, right, in the complex sale, they've got to get positioned to close that deal, and there is some strategy involved there. If they have a territory, whether that's verticals or geographic or whatever it may be, they need to have a little bit of strategy around how they're going to work that territory. But most salespeople don't need to be highly strategic. They definitely need to be a bit more tactical. So we, but they can't do that. Like I can't take my territory and figure out what to do within it if I don't understand a bigger strategy. I'm just, you know, kind of shooting in the dark, a little of this, a little of that, a little of this, right? So the strategy has to be from the top and then we have to drive the demand based on that strategy. So the demand gen is based on that bigger strategy. And then the salespeople are working their territories based on that strategy um, so that we are bringing in the types of customers that are ideal for us. We serve them well, which serves us well because we grow. When we just bring in accounts to be closing deals, go get new logos, you guys. Go get new logos. Come on, get some more new logos. Yes. Yep. Um, well, great. Some of those logos won't stay. Is that healthy for our company? And some of those logos are a pain in the, you know what? So we don't want them, but we were so pressured to close business. We took business that wasn't good business. Now we can't retain them. So we really have to be careful what we wish for. And we definitely need to have that strategy start at the top and trickle down. So I wanted to segue into our quick fire round. So this is going to be a little bit of fun. We have a timer. No, I'm joking. We, we have no timer. <laughs> but we do want to ask you a few questions. Um, and just like, without thinking, just give us okay. your answers, right? So the first question is, what is your sales philosophy in just three words? Serve the customer. And what is the best piece of advice you've been given in your career? Listen. What would you say is your top productivity hack? Oh, God. I, I, <laughs> I don't have any productivity hacks. I, I'm not. Oh, let's see. Top productivity Coffee. hack. <laughs> Coffee for sure. I would just say block time. Like, that's the only way I get big projects done is just block okay. the time on my calendar. 
what would you say is your top prediction for the sales industry in 2022? I think that we're going to become more human or get back to being human in our approach. I think people are finally hearing it, that sales, that buyers don't want to be spammed. Buyers don't want robotic messages. They just want a human being to talk to them about their problems and see if they can help. So I predict we are hearing that message and we're going to be more human. Okay, so another question. The best bit of career advice you got was listen, right? So if you turn that around, what would be the best career advice you could give to salespeople today? Invest in yourself. So don't sit around waiting for anyone else to give you the training you need, give you the coaching you need, the mentoring you need. Go get it. There are so many sources of information out there right now, and I'm sure that the Ready, Set, Sell podcast will quickly be climbing that list of sources. But uh, if you could get, where do you typically go to to get your sales industry news? Well, Gartner and Forrester uh, both put out a lot of really great industry news. Corporate Visions is excellent. What would you say is your favorite industry conference? Well, I love Sales 3.0. Um, But of course, I'm the MC, so I should love it, right? (laughs) What skill or which set of skills should a salesperson be focused on over 2022? Well, I think they need a different skill set than we have been training them in the past. And people talk about soft skills and hard skills. And I'm like, skills are skills. Look, you've got to learn how to do these things in order to be a good seller. The skill I think is needed most now is the skill of orchestration back to the sales leaders and one of the ways they can have peak performance is to help their salespeople understand how to orchestrate and how to understand a day in the life of the person that they're selling to, the people that they're selling to. Great advice. Love it. And our last rapid fire question, I'm a movie guy, so I'm going to give you two quotes. You get to pick either one, right? (laughs) Would you say always be closing or sell me this pen? Ugh, I want to vomit on both of (laughs) those. Sorry. Your choice. <laughs> Please no vomit. I'll uh, I'll say uh, always be closing, but I don't believe that. That's fair. Well, Alice, really appreciate your time here today, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again in the future. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really fun. Alice really had some excellent insights to share about the role of the CEO within the sales organization. You know, really about staying accountable and strategizing for success. I mean, firstly, CEOs have a unique role to play within a sales organization. Not only are they the only key leader with the ability to view the organization as an integrated whole, but they are also the final decision maker when it comes to making choices that impact the overall customer journey. Yeah, it is such a good point. I think at the end of the day, everyone within a company is a part of the sales team. As Alice noted, sales is about much more than just the sellers that are directly responsible for making sales. It really encompasses everyone under the company umbrella. So taking a broader perspective when it comes to customer success is crucial. She has reminded us that analyzing your successes and failures will ultimately help to drive your business forward. Um, While it's essential to take both wins and losses into account, she did stress the importance of gleaning insights from your wins so you can continue replicating your success in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Sell. 
We hope you took away some valuable lessons and insights that inspire you to reevaluate your approach to sales readiness. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show when you get a minute. And stay tuned for the next episode of Ready, Set, Sell.